Welcome to Finding Certainty with your host and U.S. Army veteran, Patrick Lang. Over the next hour, you'll learn from Patrick and his expert guests how to attract more certainty into your business and your life. Now, here is your host, Patrick Lang. Welcome to Finding Certainty. Very pleased to have you join us with our special guest today here on uh, Finding Certainty. I have uh, the unique opportunity to interview a guest today that I've known longer than any other guest I've ever had, specifically because he's my younger brother, Adam Wang. Adam, thanks for being here with us on the show today. I really appreciate you making the time. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. I've We've talked a little bit about the show and, and what you've been doing, and I'm excited to to finally be here. So thank you. Well, I will, I will say this. Adam has been one of the toughest guests to nail down on finding certainty. <laughs> I've been talking to him about being on here for a good year and a half. He's, uh, he's very busy, and, uh, and yeah, it's always been a goal of mine to have him on. You know, I always start out the show by explaining a couple of reasons why I've invited this guest to be here, why I've invited Adam to to be with us today, and it really comes down to two things. Number one, Adam is an expert on growing companies, on building their uh, their inherent value, their valuation, being able to build them up to a to a sell value or a buyout many times over. What he started with, you know, all the uh, verbiage, Adam, you can use the right vernacular, but he is an absolute expert. He's done it multiple times. He's in the middle of a, a growing a company now, healthcare compliance pros, uh, HCP is they're called. He is the CEO of HCP. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit today about how he's doing that, how he's done it over the years, how he's doing it currently. I think it's something that any entrepreneur or business owner or executive out there would love to learn. The second reason I wanted to talk with Adam is that he has a very interesting story, even from from a, a young man and to where he is today. A story of growth, of character, and of, uh, I think, personal reflection and listening to mentors, listening to to learning from others. He's had some great mentors over the years, as I have. One of those being our our father, John Lang. Our dad's birthday was yesterday. We're going to talk a little bit about him today. And, um, and so I, I, let, let's go ahead and just jump in. Adam, maybe tell everybody a little bit about what, who you are, where you live. I mean, where you, where you come from, a little bit about your, your growing up years, if you would, and then we'll get into what you do and how you're doing it. That sounds great. Um, first, first of all, happy birthday, belated birthday. We got to catch up with uh, our our father yesterday, which was was fantastic. And so, I love the fact that uh, Patrick is the the theme of this is to talk about you know where where am I at? How did I get here? And and where am I going to? As far as uh, having our father as a part of that organic picture, certainly has influenced uh, both my life and I know Patrick's. Um, and, and the topic of mentors is always a really great topic for me because I certainly wouldn't be here if there weren't so many individuals that have influenced my life, not only professionally, but personally, all the way along the, you know, 
the path to where I'm at today. And Patrick's one of those. So I get to turn this around a little bit and say that uh, I wouldn't be here uh, today at, at Healthcare Compliance Pros if it wasn't for uh, the influence and mentorship that I've received from Patrick. Back in the in the day, my early getting right out of uh, college, I had planned on being some middle management executive uh, from a technical side. I was in MIS coming through college, and and that was funny enough. That's where I kind of put my goals and objectives somewhere in middle management at IBM. Uh, I was working with them, and it had a chance at a very young age to work at a number of Fortune 200 companies. And that was my aspirations at the time. And I uh, had a couple of uh, experiences uh, through the economy that had some setbacks. I, I look at 2001 and 2008. Those, those years have really impacted my life. Uh, and we, I think we can get into that. Um, you know, how, how did I get to where I'm at today? But Patrick was a big role in that as far as uh, from a sales and marketing standpoint, Patrick's always been involved in building business from that standpoint, and I wanted nothing to do with it. In fact, I um, I thought, I just want to be on the technical side of technology. That's where I want to be. I want to manage resources, manage technology. And and so I think we'll get to that later on, but I just wanted to to say thanks to Patrick in, in that uh, perspective that I wouldn't be here where I'm at today if it wasn't for... Uh, his guidance and mentorship early on in my career, and then focusing back to my to my own father, um, Patrick and I grew up. Adam, let home. me Adam, let me just interject real quick yeah, before yeah. we go there. I want to share. A, I want to shed a little bit more light on what you were just talking about because I think it's a it's a, it's kind of the foundation of where you are today. You know, the fact that I I helped it all in in, in any way is irrelevant, but it's 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 kind of a funny part of the story, if I may, because Adam was, he had, he had interned with IBM three years in a row. He had a job offer. He and his wife and their little girl, they were ready to go to Maryland, right? Wasn't it to yeah. Maryland to go to work? And two weeks before he graduates, he finds out that they're on, they've gone on a hiring freeze. So he called me in a panic. What do I do, <laughs> Patrick? He goes, I, I have, I don't, I, I, I lose my housing in two weeks. I've lost my job that I thought I had. I've been working for, for these last several years. What do I do? And I said, well, come on up and just stay with me. I was in Anchorage, Alaska at the time. I said, you can, you can have my master bedroom. I'll, I'll stay in the guest room and let's see if we can find you a job. Well, long story short, we did get him a job in sales and he was terrible. <laughs> I don't think let's let's back up a, a moment there because right? <laughs> this Patrick and I certainly we haven't talked about this in probably 18 years or 20 years but um so the one thing that I want to mention is uh this is 2001.com explosion right right uh, I had turned down numerous jobs in the technology area to to go with IBM and then just as Patrick had mentioned I'm on my way out to to Alaska and this is coming from Hawaii. So coming from Hawaii to Alaska seemed like the worst thing in the world to me, but Patrick did mention, and this held true, that the uh, Al Alaska had not been hit as hard as, the, as hard as the lower 48. And so when I went up there, I literally got a job at a little tech company and was making something like uh, whatever minimum wage was, I was making a dollar more than minimum wage. And, you know, I was providing technical support for these little startup businesses and, 
And uh, it, it wasn't a happy moment in from where I thought I was going to be, um, you know, when I was working at IBM. Now, as I'm doing this for about a month, month and a half, um, just grinding, trying to figure out what I'm going to do, Patrick's making my salary every month doing sales. And he'd come home with a big smile on his face, tell me he loves his job. And, and I just said, okay, we need to talk about what you're doing and about what I'm doing. Because you seem very happy. You're making 10 times the amount that I'm making. And I'm grinding every day uh, at this. And so that's where uh, the one thing I did want to mention to Patrick is that that was a big thing for me is I thought, you know, hey, salary, a 401k um, at the time when there was such things as pensions, that's where I was, you know, I was, I was focused on. And then uh, here's Patrick uh, making my, my annual wages every month or so. And so I said, okay, maybe I need to think about what you're doing. Well, I do believe in divine choreography. I believe the Lord guides us in paths that maybe we didn't expect or didn't foresee. And uh, one day Adam came to work with me. And our regional manager happened to be there that day, uh, Mr. Rich Folk, and he said, and and he visited with Adam. And Adam's very charismatic. He 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 hit it right off with Rich. And Rich pulled me aside. He said, "Your your your brother's sharp." He said, "Think you'd want to come to work for us?" I said, "Well, I don't think he wants to go into sales, but I think he'd be good. But I I really don't know that he's interested. Don't know that he'd be interested." He said, well, let's let's talk to him about it because uh, I think he'd be fantastic. Well, long story short, um, they did not have room for him in Anchorage, but he called down and talked to the project director in Vancouver, Washington. And that that PD, Sir Dennis Burback, who I've been friends with ever since, he said, well, I actually have two positions. He said, if Patrick would come with him... <laughs> I'd be open to hiring Adam. And I said immediately, let's go. My project director wasn't happy about that. I was his top rep, but he uh, he said, um, I understand. And I needed to get out of Anchorage anyway. I'd gone through a divorce. So it was time for me to have a change of scenery. And I really did believe that Adam could be great at sales. I believed that he could do well. Well, long story short, we went to Vancouver and he couldn't give it away we were selling a vacation ownership package he just struggled i think you sold one deal in two or three months you were there and so yet actually funny, go on, tell enough, you those I, I had i had a at the time it was around christmas and uh, i was living off of these cash spiff bonuses because i would get i would get a number of deals i really think it was people that just felt sorry for me you know i'm right out of right out of college and and just starting this so I would I was putting food in the cupboard at the time because of these spiff bonuses. But there was this uh, what do you call it the the period of time that you can uh, the grace period yeah the, the grace period everybody would come back and they would uh, you know that seven day period and drop the deal and so my retention was terrible. So here here I am I thought I was making great rapport. What I what I found out uh, two things was there wasn't a better sales um learning environment for for anybody you know for me it was I, I remember it was like tommy hopkins boot camp sales there was just a number of things and i'm trying to learn the processes the techniques of closing how to 
how to really relate and build that rapport for the first time in my life, really in this kind of context. Patrick, you're right. I was not doing well at all. And I'm, and I'm just stressed because you had moved uh, down to, you know, moved your residence, sold your house. And here I am uh, really not doing well a couple of months into this. And, and you'd kind of mentioned divine choreography. That's, that's like a, uh, that's verbiage that we use and have used. And, and I think we'll talk more about it, but, you know, I'm in that area and I, I happened to meet uh, through our church a guy that was looking to hire in the technology space, basically a software, small software company looking for some sales reps. He was a new director of sales and marketing. They had just been acquired by a 200, Fortune 200 company, small little local company in uh, Portland, Oregon. And, um, and, and, you know, that changed the entire trajectory. I, I, I was able to say, I have two months of sales experience, <laughs> but my background in, in technology is reason, really the reason why that, that made it. I, so it was, it was interesting. That got me started off on uh, to where I'm at today. Well, and that's, be, and that's why I, I believe it was serendipitous or, or inspired because if you hadn't had any sales experience, they maybe wouldn't have hired you. And that set you on a trajectory into technical sales where you flourished and you you just soared out of it. You became their number one rep and went on into management and went on to doing what you now do, where you learned you learned the basics and then you've built on that. You've started to teach others how to do it. You've taught whole companies how to do it. I mean, it's been inspiring. I joke that you were terrible when you started, but it was only because I think you needed to find your lane. And that's something a lot of salespeople, a lot of entrepreneurs need to do. They need to find their lane. And, uh, and oftentimes after a lot of trial and error, or a lot of failure, I always say, just keep failing forward, keep failing forward. And eventually you'll get there. Uh, we're coming up on our first break. I'm telling you, this show goes by really fast, Adam. So um, let's talk just briefly before the break. When you hit the ground running at your new employer, you, you left Trend West, you went to the, uh, the uh, software company. How was it different? I mean, what was it about that that you suddenly just took flight? Yeah. Like I had mentioned, uh, that two months, I, maybe it was two and a half, I can't remember. I try to shut it out of my mind, um, <laughs> you know, but no, uh, kidding aside, it, it really was, I think you said it perfectly, uh, finding your lane. So I was very comfortable in the technology world and technology, as you think about it, just as in business, it's a language of its own. And what's difficult is when you find a programmer or a developer, an engineer, and you try to put them in front of a prospect or in front of a customer even, it can be difficult because there's a reason why zeros and ones make sense to some people and why it makes sense for others to be really on the communication side. Well, it turns out, and we'll get back to this with, uh, with Patrick and my father, we grew up in a very communicative household, you know, from writers, from educators, uh, both of our parents. And so I, I, I grew up with the gift of gab, if you will. But I just never thought of wanting to do that for a living. So when I got in the place of technology, I could explain and talk to technology like no other. And so it was a natural fit. And when Patrick, you say it's a matter of finding your lane, that's where the two worlds of technology, understanding the background, the language of it, 
and then being able to present a value-based opportunity for somebody, for me, made all the difference in the world. And that's where I felt at home. And that's really the the starting of, you know, my career in technology. A hundred percent. I, I, I completely agree. I believe it's very rare even to find someone that can fill both of those roles. You usually have a salesperson and an engineer in the room. But if you can be both of those, if you can speak to both the engineer or the technical side, the IT director, or you can speak to the CEO, the CFO, the COO, et cetera, all at the same time, that's a talent that will take you far in sales. It is challenging to find, but if you have that expertise or you can gain it, you could do well. We are up against our first break. We're visiting with Adam Wang. He's the CEO of Healthcare Compliance Pros. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Certainty Management can help create more certainty in your life with our deep discount health insurance options, even for 1099s, part-time employees, volunteers, and more. Pay less to protect yourself, your loved ones, and your team. Call 888-684-3122 for a free quote today. That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty. T-E-A-M, like Mary.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. If you're a nonprofit in need of funding, we can help. Certainty Management is a cost reduction firm that also helps churches, schools, sports teams, and other nonprofits raise unlimited zero-cost funding. Best of all, you don't have to sell anything or ask for donations. Call 888-684-3122 to learn more today. That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty, T-E-A-M, like Mary, dot com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Finding Certainty with Patrick Lang. Have a question for Patrick or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show with Patrick. Welcome back to Finding Certainty. I'm visiting with my younger brother, Adam Lang, today. He's the CEO of Healthcare Compliance Pros, uh, otherwise known as HCP. Um, we've been talking a little bit about uh, Adam's backstory, how he got started in sales, and like many of us, maybe struggle a little bit at first until we find our stride or find our lane, as we as we were saying. Um, 
I think you hit the nail on the head, Adam, when you talk about really being able to combine your technical expertise and your understanding of the industry with your gift of gab, as you said. I mean, we grew up in a family, as you mentioned, where our mom was an English professor, our dad was an editor and an administrator, and came from a long line of educators, actually, our uncle, our grandmother, et cetera, et cetera. And so language was always a forte for us. In fact, we had a uh, a Christmas talent show at our church last month, and I and I got up and said, my talent is speech. I said, everything I do is about speech. I'm in sales. I'm a writer, a speaker, a radio host. And so I actually did a monologue. I, re- I read a monologue about uh, from from the movie Scrooged, <laughs> and uh, it was good. But uh, I've always felt like he was a talent of mine. I've always felt like he was a talent of yours. And so I was so happy to see when you found that lane and got into technical sales and you started to excel and just do so well. What I have never really understood is how you transitioned from there into running entire teams and changing entire companies, which you have done. HCP, which is in Logan, Utah now, you're doing record sales. The last company you were with, you did record sales, increased their valuation exponentially. But how did you make that leap? How did you go from being a top salesperson to being a, a game changer for companies? Well, we in this conversation, I kind of alluded to 2001 and 2008. Uh, really being recession, it's not hard for anybody to remember that's lived through that time, you know, the dot-com explosion in in 2000, 2001, which is when I graduated and and everything happened with uh, my internship at at IBM. Prior to IBM, I worked at a a very large company called Novell, which is a big uh, software company, um, you know, at that time. And so that was my, the, the feeding of the spoon, that was my upbringing into these large uh, technology-driven Fortune 500 type companies. Well, then fast forward into um, you know getting the sales experience and then moving into technical sales. I finding my lane. I found great success. Well, what would happen? I had actually thought, man, I'm learning for the first time what it means to earn your value versus earning a salary and looking at bonuses. And and I was hooked. I, I couldn't imagine ever doing anything other than earning what I can bring to the table. Well, that created in growing up with the backdrop of entrepreneurial uh, parents and even yourself being an entrepreneur, I thought this is going great. I can do even better if I create my own business. And I remember having those hard conversations with my wife and she's saying at the time, uh, you're making great money. Our family is really blessed. Why in the world would you think about this? And I and I really thought, you know, this is a great time for me to, to go out into the world and continue to build my own value. Well, I started a little software company and introducing brokerage firm for about four, four to five years that had just skyrocketed. And I thought I, I thought we were done, thought we'd made it, um, creating software for commodities and futures, when to buy, when to sell. Uh, and then, you know, four years of uh, blood, sweat and tears, then seeing, uh, you know, the horizon of, of great success, 2008 hits and everything to do with the landscape of uh, futures, commodities, the stock market just crashed. 
I look at those four years, five years, and, and you know, that ultimately came down to my wife saying, hey, maybe it's time for you to grow up and get a real job. <laughs> in, in 2008, 2009, when we're trying to make it make it through that period. And it made me reassess and look at where I was at. And it did two things for me. I call it my MBA because, number one, I learned really what it means to, to, to earn your own value, living paycheck to paycheck on what you do. But secondly, when, when looking at, at that role and bringing these things together is, you know, what, how, how do I look at my own business? So when I was going to look at getting hired by somebody else, I thought, who am I going to work for? How do I still create my own business and create a value and yet work for somebody else? And I was so grateful. I ended up through introduction from my parents actually meeting with a, a CFO at a a small software company in, in Logan, Utah, which made me move. But, a, you know, a $5 million um, software company that the, the owners there were so great with me, entrepreneurial minded, uh, were in a great uh, place as far as trying to find growth themselves. And I just found that being an entrepreneur, whether you're working for somebody or not, is so critical to find success. When you look at invest yourself with that business and you look at creating your own business within it, even if you're an employee, because I just done four to five years of, if I did something, I made money. If I didn't do something or something else happened, I didn't make money. Having that reality and then going to work for somebody else, but taking that with me and finding the right situation set me on fire for helping other groups to grow their companies. It's a really good point, Adam. Um... You know how I was the uh, sales director for LeafGuard Northwest in Portland for several years. And what changed that company more than anything else was we helped incorporate an ownership mindset in our employees. We taught them uh, accountability through what's called the Oz Principle. We taught them uh, execution through what's called the four disciplines of execution from, from the Covey Leadership Group. But really incorporating that that ownership mindset, we gave awards for it, we recognized it, we constantly talked about it. Because even as an employee, if you can view it as though you're the owner, as though every decision affects the bottom line and affects the future of the company, the stability of the company, we took that branch from, from about three and a half million a year to seven and a half million to 16 million to 20 million. I mean, we, we became number one out of the entire country, out of 65 offices. And I attribute that, the point you just made, to all of our success. Absolutely. I, I think it is so critical that even as I hire still today, I'm looking for that in somebody. Uh, you know, how do you feel about coming in and building your business? I oftentimes, would, when I'm hiring in sales, I would say, here's the opportunity for you. Yes, you get a, a base salary and there's some benefits, but that's just a part of the benefit for building your business with us. I was looking for those kind of attributes, somebody that's looking to do that, not just looking to, you know, get a, get a wage and then how can I go and work for you? So I've always been looking for that. I was also very lucky. I worked with a guy named Frank Felice, who was one of the owners. And I remember, and, and he could see this in me. Um, he, you know, I, I, they didn't have a sales position available when I was looking. And so I ended up in project management for a very short stint of time. And I looked at that as a sales job. 
I was really successful in doing project management, which at the time I knew very little bit about, but they knew I could speak technology. And so my projects went really well because I was able to use the same sales techniques, closing principles when I'm working with clients to move projects along. And that they saw that in me really quickly. Frank Felice, one of the owners, ended up putting me into the sales engineering position because then I could be the go-between between the sales folks, project managers. He quickly moved me from there into sales. Eventually, I, I was the director of sales and, and marketing. But what the, this conversation to me was the epitome of Frank's perspective. And I remember when I first moved over onto the sales side and I was saying, hey, Frank, I just, you know, on my calendar, I wanted to let you know, um, I'm, here's a couple of vacation days that I'm looking at. And I'll never forget this response from him to me. And he said, came down, sat down with me and he said, Adam, I, I don't care if you book out the next three months for vacation. You, you can take out the next six months, whatever vacation days you want, whatever days you need to take off, those are yours. He says, I don't even want you to think about this, this job is trying to let me know when you're going to take vacation. He said, I'm here to help you close business. You work what days you want to do. You need to tell me how I can help you close business. And that just set me on fire. Uh, they ended up selling, uh, I think it was three years later, uh, interestingly enough, to a, a company uh, that um, Charles Munger, unfortunately, who just passed away recently, the, the partner of uh, Warren Buffett. Um, he was the the uh, the board, sorry, the president of the board at a little company um, that I that we had gotten acquired by, and it just put me in an interesting position. But you know that that experience with Frank moving into the director of sales and marketing, and then working with Charlie Munger has changed my life. Um, he he just happened to be on this uh, you know this little company uh, that acquired us, and uh, I got to sit at board meetings with Charlie Munger and. And I learned from him in just a few board meetings and then doing more research on his life, what it meant to build meaningful companies. And those principles that I learned from him, one of the things that he had just said to me that I'll never forget was, we're in this business because it's difficult. A lot of people don't get into this business. We were in case management software with governments. He said, a lot of people don't want to get into this business because it's a difficult business, but that's where our opportunity is. And so when he looked at things as creating strong businesses, he says, when you see challenges and others don't want to take on those challenges, if you can create great companies, great, great processes, productivity around that, then you'll have a company that will be around forever. And so those kinds of things that those opportunities that were led to me through what you could look back at and say, man, I got blown, I got blown up in 2001. I got blown up in 2008. But they led me to opportunities. So I look at that, those challenges created opportunities in my life I was able to take advantage of. And so I, I got to help move that acquisition from Frank Felice and, and the other owners there um, that I had a great experience. That set the path for me. I realized that, um, and, and I told uh, my wife, I said, you know, I won't put us in jeopardy. I'm not going to go out and create another company. And, and uh, But what I'm going to do is it, uh, it made me find my new lane which was how do I help business owners create more value? Because I, I learned very early on running my own business for four to five years, you get, you, you get good at something. There's a reason why business owners are finding success and they're still in business, living the American dream. But oftentimes what happens, I found this myself, I, you get tunnel vision, you get a, accustomed to seeing what you're used to and it's hard to bring in other opinions because you think you're the expert in that. And uh, one of the biggest, uh, you know, warnings that I hear from, from uh, 
a business owner, an entrepreneur is I've run out of mentors. Uh, you know, I, I don't need any mentors. I know better than anybody else. It seems funny that every book is the exact opposite of that, but I've heard it so many times uh, that it's, it's always amazed me. And so when you stop learning, when you, you know, stop letting others give you guidance and feedback, or even just a, as a sounding board, I think you run into problems, but it's within that, that I've found opportunity. And I've been lucky to work with a lot of great owners that have allowed me to come in and show them a different perspective. Well, you know, speaking of mentors, I mean, what better mentor to have than Charlie Munger? You know, I, I remember you sharing stories about being in board meetings and and just, you know, razzing them and playing and, and giving them a hard time and vice versa. And it was just really a, not only a, a educational experience, but really a comfortable, um, in, engaging experience. And it was... I, well, it, 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 was, I, it was funny. It was funny. I have to tell you this. When I first was preparing for our board meeting and and, and what it, it, the Daily Journal um, Corporation is the company, it's such a unique, interesting company. If you're an investor, you should look at it. Really interesting company that it acquired uh, uh, this company from Logan. But when I was talking to the executive um, assistant of Charlie Munger, preparing for this board meeting with him, this is she said, I, I need to tell you two things. One. Uh, don't be offended if Charlie falls asleep during the board meeting and you're presenting. And two, now keep in mind at this time, I think he was about 87, 88, maybe, maybe close to 90 at the time. But she said, and the other thing is if he goes off on a tangent, don't, don't be alarmed, just let him go. And, uh, and he did both of those things. Actually, our, the first board meeting, I, I got up, I was really excited. I'd spent, you know, two weeks putting the data together were this newly acquired company under them for just, I think, maybe nine months a year. This is my first board meeting with them. And I look over at him. I'm so excited even to be in the same room. And I see him just kind of leaned over, eyes shut, knocked out, right? <laughs> but then he wakes up, he wakes up mid my my presentation and then just starts, I, you know, I, I wish I had a recorder in there. I'm sure I could go back and get the the meeting notes. Um, as it's a publicly traded company, but it 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 was amazing. It was like every every time he would just drop a a nugget of just um, you know things that impacted me greatly from from his experience. Uh, like I said, in building meaningful, uh, long lasting companies. Well, I, you know, I've been a uh, fly on the wall watching your career, and as we've talked and you've shared these experiences and the lessons you've learned. And I think you, you need to write a book about it one of these days, Adam, because uh, I think you could teach, teach people a lot, teach those who are aspiring to do the same, both the mistakes you made, the lessons you've learned, the, the uh, mentorship that you received. I mean, the list goes on. Um, you talked briefly and we're coming up on our next break here, but you talked briefly about how when you hire people, you're looking for ownership. Correct me if I'm wrong, but another thing you've done that's proven to be proven to be um, an asset for you in these companies is you are not going out and hiring top sales professionals with big fat salaries, high expectations, et cetera. You're hiring young, hungry college kids, paying them a a small salary or even just an hourly wage and bonuses isn't hasn't that been a, a 
part of your success in the last couple of companies, at least the last two that you've it, been building? It, it really has. You know, it, at the company in Logan um, that, that I had started out at, government sells. It, it's a long sales cycle. And so you're talking a year to year and a half. That means that you're, you're really taking a risk when you bring somebody on that uh, you don't know if they're going to be successful for a year or two in it. So you could be paying the base wages, benefits, and all of these things, and it doesn't work out. You're two years down the road, and you're replacing them. And, and I realized that that was a tough place to be, a high leverage risk for any company. And we still had success at it, but I tried to figure out a way to flip that just as you had, dis had discussed. And so the next company that I went to, um, it, it was already set up that way because this is a very small, less than $2 million a year company. And like many young companies trying to be successful, they were saying commission only, right? No base salary. Uh, we're, hmm. we're, we're, they were hiring at commission only. And I'm looking at that, uh, that you know, the, the way that that was set up. And I'm like, how do I leverage this? How do I get people to feel like they can be here for years and it's, it's a real career for them? I'm going to cut you off for just a couple of minutes here. We've got to go to our next and last break. Uh, we'll pick it up as soon as we come back. Don't go away. We're visiting with Adam Wang, the CEO of HCP. Be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. If you're a nonprofit in need of funding, we can help. Certainty Management is a cost reduction firm that also helps churches, schools, sports teams, and other nonprofits raise unlimited zero cost funding. Best of all, you don't have to sell anything or ask for donations. Call 888 684 3122 to learn more today. That's 888 684 3122. Visit us on the web at certaintyteam.com. That's certainty, T E A M, like Mary.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Certainty Management can help create more certainty in your life with our deep discount health insurance options, even for 1099s, part-time employees, volunteers, and more. Pay less to protect yourself, your loved ones, and your team. Call 888-684-3122 for a free quote today. That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty. T-E-A-M, like Mary.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Finding Certainty with Patrick Lang. Have a question for Patrick or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show with Patrick. 
Welcome back to Finding Certainty. We're visiting with my favorite guest, my younger brother, Adam Wang. You know, Adam uh, was a gift to our family. We lived in New Zealand when I was a young boy, and we ended up adopting Adam there as, a, as an infant. Uh, my sister Chaya, our sister Chaya, was adopted from Korea. Adam was adopted from uh, New Zealand. He's a combination of Samoan and Nguyen and Chinese and a little bit of everything. You're kind of a melting pot. Maybe that's one of the reasons you're so talented. Um, <laughs> you have just a blend of nationalities. But, um, you know, I, I, as we were talking about mentors, isn't it interesting how the student becomes the teacher, right? The mentee becomes the mentor. And that's exactly what we both have gone through in our careers. You most definitely are in your career because now you are mentoring and teaching and bringing on these young, these young hungry reps and turning them into sales professionals. We were talking over the break. If you, if you watch the YouTube version, you get a little bit of the behind the scenes conversation but we were talking about how this again is a is a secret to adam's success he he brings on reps who are oftentimes new to sales they're young they're hungry they're 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 looking to make a, a place for themselves or a name for themselves but they're very moldable in in the process adam can help them become who he wants them to be and who they need to be, who they should be as sales professionals. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about um, some of the things we've learned from one of our greatest mentors, uh, our dad. But um, anything you wanted to add to that topic real quick before we we move on? You know, the only thing I would add, I, you know, for those that are listening and are entrepreneurial or they've got their own businesses, they're looking to grow it. You know, I, I talked a little bit about coming from that stage of large six-figure salaries and trying to make it work. And you've got all this risk and then, you know, you get a year or two into it and maybe it doesn't work out. So it was fortuitous with the next company that I got recruited to, to come in and they were doing commission-only sales. They had a small sales force and and they had to go kill it to eat. And I, I when I first got there, I said, okay, we've got to, we've got to blend this to back to the model of you know, we got to pay them more base salary. We got to do all these things. Well, at the time, I didn't want to come in and rock the boat, but it it really took us to this place where I needed to find an entrepreneur. I needed to find somebody that was a, a, a I can get up and get started. The burning in the in the belly. I'm willing to go after this. Maybe didn't have sales experience because we couldn't afford to to do that. And so I negotiated with the owners of the company to give a very small base salary. It was like twenty twenty four thousand dollars a year. So that I could at least go and and offer that up. Well, we stuck with that. We didn't change it. So I was there for four and a half years. I got there. They were about a $2 million company. I left when they were a $10 million company. So their valuation was 13X. They ended up being uh, merged with a large PE company, sold for $130 million four and a half years later. Uh, but the secret to that success for me was um finding that balance like i said and let me just tell you this so we started out from no no base salary to just a $24,000 base i'm like who can i go recruit so we we started at the college level we were in a university town and we went to young graduates that were 
either on the technical side that were on the business you know side and uh, they were moldable they, we were able to take them in and said if you are looking at building a business i'm going to give you a, a base salary it's not a lot but it's not what you'd do if you were starting your own business then i'm going to give you 70 percent commission of everything you earn with this small base salary four and a half years later we had of our 20 20 reps or so i think 12 of them averaged hundred and seventy thousand dollar salary and so you know we got this to a place where they were entrepreneurs they looked at it as a small base salary I don't know, you know, I'm two and a half years removed from that company. I don't know if they've even changed that. Uh, but it, it, you know, at the company I'm at right now, I ran into the same uh, issue with coming in early on. You've got guys that have been in the industry for a while. They're developed. They've got experience and but didn't necessarily have that entrepreneurial perspective. So that was a big learning uh, thing for me. And you got to find the right balance of that. You know, $24,000 base salary isn't the right thing for everybody. But somebody that is entrepreneurial and you help them to understand um, how they can get the, you know, their upside with it and aligned with the company. When their interests are aligned with the company, that makes all the difference in the world. And I'll just tell you one last thing about the owners that I work with right now. They're the first really that I've worked with that in a, you know, small $10 million and less company um, that said, we want to do net profits. We want everybody to be vested. Let me tell you the difference that that has made at our company. I've been here two and a half years. We've almost doubled the revenue in two and a half years from when I started. Um, and a lot of it, I put back to the owners that had a lot of foresight that said, as we benefit, I want every employee to benefit. That's a hard thing wow. for, for owners to, to take on. And we've, we've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars putting that back in the pockets of our employees, but we've almost doubled our revenue in two and a half years. We're on track to, to do that again, double our revenue in the next two years. And I, I look at their foresight with that and willingness to, to provide that. It's been a game changer. That's fantastic. Well, and you, you, you touched on a point I think is really important. We don't have much time, but you talked about the multiplier. As you're building the valuation of these companies, it's not just the 13 million you grew it to. It's actually, in many cases, worth 10x, 20x, especially if they're looking at selling or being bought out. Can you explain that just in 60 seconds? Yeah. So most of my career has been spent in SaaS. So software as a service. Those type of companies, right, when you're looking at subscription-based models, they have your highest multiples. You know, I, I used to hear about um, Salesforce CRM was worth 17x, you know, kind of at the peak. Uh, you know, the, the company that I left got close to a 12 or a 13x in 2022 as far as their valuation. So the objective is really to create a business get it to a point uh, and there's 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 tiers that private equity companies look at five to ten million dollars you know ten million dollars and above but depending on the efficiency there's this thing called rule 40 it tells you how you're doing from an EBITDA and a revenue growth perspective I use that as my guide and we can talk about that another time it tells you how efficiently you're using your capital um, and you know really where your growth is and if you're on track with that it's easy to say but if you're on track with that you're your valuation at the end of the day can be much larger than you think. Services-based companies are usually, you know, around a three to five X, but even still you, you look at how do I grow this? How do I hire the right people? And maybe not everybody wants an exit. You know, that exit strategy may not be there for everybody. Um, but, but if you're looking at that, that's really core principles that I look at. The last thing that I'll mention, I left the company that I was at, um, you know, because they they wouldn't uh, offer me 
or the employees any kind of net profits. When I got there, it was $2 million in revenue. When I left, there were $10 million in four and a half years, which took them from a valuation of about 16 to 18 million to 120 to 130 million. The owners wouldn't even consider a small percentage of vesting me and other employees at the time. And so I left and thankfully landed at a place that I'll forever be grateful for Brian and Eric at HCP because they saw the vision of helping of, of the bigger piece of the pie by involving everybody. And they've benefited greatly. The employees have benefited greatly. Um, and so I'm really grateful. The last thing I'll just mention as far as developing young, young talent is one of the guys that I had helped develop right out of college um, is now running another software company for me. They just did a million dollars last year in emergency management. And it is because of that mindset, these same principles. So I, I've seen it to be able to duplicate this effort in many areas. That's great. So we're running out of time here. The show goes fast, as I mentioned. Um, as we look back on our lives, one of our greatest mentors, of course, has been our own father, uh, John Lane. As I look at him and his example, the things that stand out for me are just how gregarious he is, how how interested he is in the people he meets. I mean, he can remember he can remember people's names from that he met fifty years ago. He calls people all the time, randomly around the world, across the country, from all of his travels. From past careers, he maintains relationships like nobody I've ever seen. Those are those are some of the lessons I've learned just in the last minute or two here, Adam. Are there lessons you've learned from dad that have impacted you as a leader and as a CEO? Absolutely. You know, I think about uh, where, where I was adopted, your natural born son. You just think about this whole nature versus nurture. And, and I can tell you. Um, we used to go around. In fact, you can see the, the difference of, of how Patrick and I look, but it was it would always crack me up. We would see people uh, it, when my parents lived in Maryland and they would say, man, you look just like your dad. They'd say that to me all the time. And I don't know if that's just, you know, he had a darker complexion as well, but I'll never forget that. But the, you know, who I am today, who Patrick is, is certainly uh, such a huge impact from our father. Uh, two things. One, uh, neither of us are good at working with tools because uh, our dad didn't pick up tools a lot. But what he did help us to do, and I mean physical tools like building stuff, we didn't we didn't learn how to you know go out and fix cars and things, but we did learn how to build businesses. And I think uh, seeing my father and my mom as an entrepreneur, the ability to communicate, the ability to persuasively provide opportunities for others, and I saw this in his church life. Uh, you know, there was really little mix between uh, personal life and church life. It was all kind of one one envelope. But what I saw was care for people, um, how he felt about people. And just like Patrick said, we would hate it. We'd go to a, a grocery store and we'd be in there for a half hour because he'd run into two people. And that <laughs> carried through. That's why he was successful in, in his entrepreneurial, in his career, and with people, at, you know, everywhere that he met. And, and that's the biggest thing that I've picked up from him and, and actually from Patrick as well. Uh, I appreciate that. And I agree. I, I believe um, part of being a mentor and building a team is being a servant leader. You have to be willing to serve them, to, to lift them up, to, 
to guide and direct them, to be that example. And that's exactly what dad has been throughout his life, whether it was in his church career, his when our, our parents started a franchise that they franchised all over the country, even overseas. And between being a servant leader and being one of the most consistent people I've ever seen, those are the things we've learned from, from our dad. So happy birthday, dad. Adam, thank you for being on Finding Certainty, finally. <laughs> Appreciate you taking the time, my friend. and. Uh, I, uh, I'm glad we had a chance to, to talk. So uh, you've been listening to uh, Finding Certainty. I'm Patrick Lang, your host. We've been hearing from my brother, Adam Lang, the CEO of Healthcare Compliance Pros. If your company is in need of help meeting the compliance concerns and issues out there. If you're in the health uh, arena and you need that help, reach out to them. They have a software, a program that can make it much easier. And uh, if you have questions, reach out to them. You can find them. The website's healthcarecompliancepros.com. Is that right? Correct. Yep. All right. Thanks for being with us today. Have a great weekend and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into today's episode of Finding Certainty. We hope you've gained some more insight into how to create more certainty in your own business or nonprofit. Join us next week for another taste of the certainty experience. Until then, we wish you greater certainty in all that you do.